Welcome back to another edition of Pod Jerky. In part five of this series, we wanted to showcase some independent artists on the show. And today we are going to put the spotlight on Jeff Smith and his family. We would like to welcome Jeff Smith to the show. Jeff Smith is first and foremost a father and a husband. He's also a CYW, a musician, and also helps run a charity called the Sarah Elizabeth Center. Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Awesome. Great to have you on. So as we mentioned in previous episodes, you actually wrote both the intro and the outro to our podcast. So we want to say thank you for that. No worries. Yeah, it was fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. And how did you come up with, I guess, the idea of putting that together? I know you had asked us what kind of genre do you want? Do you want rock? Do you want hip hop kind of thing? How did you mash that up together to come up with the sound for it? You know what? Just pretty much based on the genre, I'm more of like, a rocker myself that would be my forte which is cool because you guys ended up going with that one anyways but yeah I don't know I just I kind of I guess I have my own process I kind of see what the client's about and what the podcast is about you know the type of person they are the whole name which I love pod jerky that's like probably one of the best podcast names ever pod jerky I love it it was funny because we had so many names picked out but you go over certain things and you look it up and everything's taken yeah, and yeah. this is a name that we landed on probably after like 50 names. So oh, it was like no. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect. I yeah. like it. And yeah. I don't know, it just kind of came up. I was like, this needs a cool riff. This needs a kind of cool guitar riff at it. And I just kind of went with that. Yeah. I showed it to the co-host of the show and he instantly said, yep, we're doing that one right away. <laughs> that was actually really cool. good. It was like first try and it was great. Cool. Thank you again cool. for that. No problem. We'll start off with, I guess, the music portion of this. <clears throat> And we used to go to the same elementary school and we went to the same church. I always knew that you were musically inclined because you used to play at our church. Now, we had an organist that used to play there as well. And I, I don't know if she still does uh, uh, because Tammy, I'm not yeah. in that area. Yeah, she's still there. So how did it come about that you got involved with doing the mass in the basement there where Tammy was playing as well? So I can't remember his last name, but I remember his name was Patrick. And he came, he was new to the community and new to the neighborhood. He was a, a musician as well. Uh, he was a singer. And I think at the time... Tammy didn't want to take on all the masses. She just wanted to do the like later one, like 10 and on. So there was this opening for the nine o'clock, 915 mass. And I remember this guy, Patrick, he wanted to take it over, take it on, but he needed other musicians. So they kind of put it out there during one of the masses. And yeah, and I just kind of said, okay, that'd be cool. I wouldn't mind. I'd come to this mass anyways. So might as well like participate it where I can. And yeah, and that's, it kind of went from there. I still remember it was almost, and I think we talked about this already is the first time you did, I believe it was, we are one body. Yeah. You did that after communion and i think because it was your first time doing that mass you almost got a standing ovation yeah. ovation during the mass um people were really impressed with your talent i remember that's still one of my favorite songs it was one of the theme songs for the world youth days yeah, yeah and i just kind of fell in love with it and then i got to play it during communion i remember that there was a couple of times i got to sing that song but yeah yeah <laughs> cool. yeah i think everybody actually looked forward to yeah. that song after communion because it was a different change from the organ player right it was yeah. you know you were on there with your guitar and it was a different sound than having the traditional organ player at a mass right yeah and the other thing i wasn't used to so many people actually staying and then actually listening to me sing <laughs> it's usually yeah. usually in the bars it's a different scene you know we got 10 people there yeah. and then five people left and then the only five that are there are your family left watching <laughs> so yeah yeah no, but was... i mean it was 
it was really good. It was really good to have a different sound there and cool. somebody that could actually sing and sounded good and, and all that. Cool. Right. So, cool. yeah. And I started actually following you on SoundCloud before I even touched base with you because I cool. knew you had a music background and I always love music. I love listening to music. I love listening to new mm. artists. I love, you know, everything about music. Yeah. And I started listening to some of the covers that you did and ended up showing them to some of my friends. And they were actually more impressed with your cover than they were the original song. How did you get started just doing the covers? Was it more like, did you get a lot of requests for them or it was it just something that you decided um, to cover on your own? So being part of a band growing up, basically it was always me and my brother, Phil, playing together in, in bands and stuff. But the thing was like, I guess you can say covers... I guess the way we started doing covers was because that's where the gigs were and that's where the paying gigs were. So a lot okay. of like when we're doing original stuff, usually they just end up paying you in beer. You're lucky if you get your expenses covered. So covers right. was doing cover gigs was where was kind of where the money was and where a lot of the bookings were were in covers. So we started doing that. And then I guess with the whole YouTube thing taking off at the time growing up and then the whole social media thing exploding, it was a good way, it was a good platform to get engaged with fans and to get fans and to get people to subscribe. So that's pretty much why we started doing covers was one, because they were paying gigs and then two, to engage people in our social media and, and on YouTube. But like you said, with the whole cover aspect, I do like that. I like taking covers, but then if I'm going to do a cover, somehow I like trying to make it my own, trying to say, okay, like, how can I switch it up a little bit or how can I change it up a little bit to put myself into it a little bit more? So two of the covers like that are my favorite mm. are Hello by oh, yeah. Del that you covered. And I thought you did a tremendous job on that one. And we're going to have a listen to that right now. Wayfaring Stranger, which I'm going to play right now as well. And I'm going there, no, no, no. 
Those are two of my favorite covers, actually. Those are two really, really good songs. I actually took my dog out for a walk this morning and listened to both of those on my walk. Um, But Wayfaring Stranger, I thought you did a phenomenal job on covering that song. So basically, Ed Sheeran, his whole thing is like using a loop pedal, which they've custom made his own now. But he was using this. It was called Boss RS30. And basically, it's just a pedal that you can lay down a track and then you hit the pedal and and then you can keep laying tracks as you go. So I thought it was kind of a cool thing to do. So basically, that whole cover was recorded on this loop pedal. So I had to do it all in one take pretty much. But I just kept building. So I'd start with like the drum beat and then I'd lay another track and then another vocal track and then a harmony. So I just, it was more of an experiment to see if I can pull it off and do something like that but it ended up being kind of cool yeah I ended up really liking that cover yeah it's a really good cover of that song it's you know I think that's probably my favorite of yours I mean you you belong to a band that was actually with your family called the Fairchild Brothers yeah and how many of you were in that group so there was four of us in that group for my myself and then my three other brothers, but I actually come from a huge family. We're right. all musically inclined, but I kind of laugh because I'm like, you know, why couldn't we all be like engineers or doctors? We have to go into the arts, the stuff that's the hardest to make money in a career out of, right? <laughs> but, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, so Fairchild Brothers, well, I'll take you back a little bit. So Phil is the drummer. So me and Phil kind of, I started playing guitar when I was about 14 years old and I heard Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction and Use Your Illusions albums. And I'm like, that's it. I, I want to be Slash. So I picked up the guitar and I started trying. I ended up being more of a singer than a guitar player. But anyway, so Phil at the time wanted to learn drums. And then me and him have been kind of playing together like through every different kind of band. And then it got to a point where me and Phil were like, okay, you know what, if we're going to do this, um, because it's always been a passion, it's always been a a dream. And it got to a point in our lives where we're like, all right, we're getting a little bit older. If we're going to do this, you know, let's put 120% into it. Let's give it all we got this time. And at the time, my brother Donnie, who was the lead guitarist, and then Dave, who was the bass player, they were at an age where we used to call it, they were our roadies before because they were too young to kind of hang out. They weren't cool enough to hang out with us and play with us, okay. but they could, they could lug our equipment, right? But they got to an age where they were pretty good. They'd honed their skills. And we said, okay, let's give this a shot. Maybe we have something here. Like, you know, we all get along. We play music together. And, and maybe that could be a selling feature as well, that we're all siblings. And one of the things that we really appreciated about being siblings in a band was the sibling harmony. I don't know. There's just something about when you sing with siblings and the harmonies that you come out of that, like vocally they're just beautiful I don't know I love something about sibling harmony so that's pretty much how the band got started this was like okay we're gonna go full out and and give it what we got yeah and that's pretty much how the band came to be anyways so what was the inspiration behind the music like the songs that you wrote what inspired you to write those types of songs I know you had a video actually that came out that was called I Have Your Touch and that includes your sister as well Marianne give a little sample of that right now I have your touch Touch. 
What was the inspiration behind that song? So I guess our genre was more alternative, more in the rock end, uh, you would say, especially with our album, Dare to Believe. So I Have Your Touches, it's got a little bit of a country vibe, a country ballad vibe. And the reason being that was, okay, so I Have Your Touch, actually, my brother Phil was getting married. We basically got together. He said, okay, I want to write this wedding song. So he wanted to write his own wedding song. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. So we kind of got together and we put together this song, I Have Your Touch. So that's how the song kind of came to be. But then out of that, the way we got the video was actually a funny story. So when my brother on his wedding day, I don't know, the videographers, they hired, they ended up losing some of the morning footage. They couldn't find it after when they were putting the wedding video together. So they felt like really bad. But at the same time, they wanted to expand and, and try different things within their company. So they said, you know, can we make it up to you? And they ended up doing the music video for free. Uh, because they want to kind of try something different. Yeah, so it was kind of cool. So, And also at the time, we got a good response from that song. So we um, ended up submitting it to this international songwriting competition. And we ended up winning in the country genre, which was fun. We we came in first in this international songwriting first, but under the country genre. So I thought it was kind of funny because we'd mostly done rock and then we get this like... right. Yeah, which is kind of right. funny. But then, um, now, did that pick you up more notice with your band to win that prize, or because that, that, you were in the rock genre, was it a, like not that much of a? I guess. So that, yeah. So that was a little bit later on. So basically, I guess what kind of put us on the radar was we. Okay, so we had made the album Dare to Believe, and we ended up doing two radio campaigns, and then we got a little bit of radio play on two of the. We released two singles off that Dare to Believe and I'll Take You. Yeah, and those are the two songs that I'm going to play as well because those are the two okay. songs we were going to talk about. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. And through that album, pretty much, we really pushed that album. So we ended up doing. I called them weekend tours. So. We we would like from Thursday to Sunday, we'd go all out east. Like we'd hit, we'd set up gigs. So it'd be like, I don't know, Kingston, Belleville, Ottawa, and then Weston. So it was, but it was like Thursday, Sunday, and then we'd come home and, and do our thing during the rest of the week. But through that album, yeah, we did the two radio campaigns and that kind of put us on the radar and we came really close, like really, really close. So because of those radio campaigns, Ch- uh, Chad Kruger from Nickelback. He ended up starting his own label called 604 Records. He started it with his lawyer, Jonathan Simpkins, and um, they have a whole bunch of Canadian acts under there. It's a pretty big Canadian label. So we, we were stoked, but it was like last minute because they were coming to scout. At this point, they were just kind of starting up the label and they wanted new acts. So they were they were scouting. So last minute we get this phone call saying, okay, uh, Chad Kroger's coming with his with his pretty much his entourage, everybody in the label, and they're coming to check out this band, but they fit you in. So you got to find a venue last minute. It was like literally within 24 hours, we had to find a venue. It had to be semi-private, so only like certain family and friends can come. And we had to put on this private gig, which was which was kind of nerve-wracking at the same time. Oh, I would so, imagine. Yeah. yeah. So, so it ended up being at the reverb, and thank God the guy came through the owner and he's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they end up coming and he walks in like with this whole entourage. When I first saw him, I'm like, oh my God, this guy's like a typical like 
whatever, I'm going to live the rock star persona, right? Comes in with this like super blonde escort, right? With the whole thing. And yeah. Uh, so we ended up doing the private show and then we talked to him for a bit, which was pretty cool. Like I have to say, I didn't know at first how to take him. He came across like kind of like this, whatever, I'm, I'm a rock star kind of whole persona thing. But he ended up being kind of down to earth. He was actually really, he was a really cool guy. And, and we came close. So then they ended up going to see my darkest days was the other band i think the singer was the brother of his brother was from three days grace or something he was okay, a singer yeah, from three days yeah. Grace. yeah so they at that point they were only looking for one band in toronto like another rock band to add and they ended up going with three days grace uh but i mean it put us on the radar and, and we and we did all right i think we're we failed and i think where a lot of artists might fail or it's a good kind of good tip to know is that I think we put all our, our ducks, like we didn't line up our ducks in a row. We put everything into one basket. Like, I think we should have focused more on um, like, okay, do the radio campaigns, but then line up a tour to follow that. Like have tour support, right? Have another album released within a certain time, uh, another video, like all these things should have been lined up and it should have just been like, boom, 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 boom. Like radio campaign, video, tour support. But it's hard because one was funding, but we had dumped a lot of our money into the radio campaigns, thinking that that right. would help spiral everything everything else and it kind of got us on the radar but then we couldn't keep up right and uh so then yeah. it just got a little bit harder harder and by that time i had already started my family I had my my first my first son was born and we were already expecting my second so i was definitely at a different stage in my life than the other guys and that's the one thing i find a little bit tricky with with the music industry too because it's funny i don't know what you base your success on and i feel like there's a lot of successful musicians doing their thing and and able to you know uh, tap into the like, social media and the social platforms and be successful even if they're not like super famous or if they're not like on top radio charts but then at the same time you can argue okay nobody really pushes that big red button like the music label right so it, it just depends what you want to base your success on do you want to be a successful musician and make money and make a career out of it or are you looking for like the whole stardom and fame thing um is that your is that where you you justify success as as a musician right and and i feel like if that's what you're kind of going for like the big time then yeah the, the record labels definitely help in making that happen but at the same time i feel like a lot of the record labels they want like young guys in their 20s that can pretty much jump in a van whenever they want eat shit and just love it you know what i mean like with no other responsibilities or ties to them right so i feel that it was kind of tricky for me because i had my family i had expenses i had bills and etc and the other guys weren't exactly there yet they could have jumped in a van and and <laughs> eaten shit and loved it and gone wherever they had to go right so. so we had this conversation i've actually talked to dj chemo from the rascals i've talked to chocolate oh. i've talked to thrust i've actually talked to one of the band members from finger 11 nice um, and, and we played we and, uh we did a show with them at uh well they headlined it but it was beat rocks the block in kitchener it was a huge festival we had so much fun with that we got nice. to open uh, that night. yeah i'm a Sorry. big finger 11 fan so i mean <laughs> i think their music's great but when talking to them more so the uh the hip-hop guys um rascals and stuff like that they would yeah. say like you know they didn't have that social media platform when they first came out how much bigger do you think like or how how much uh, more momentum do you think that you would have gained or you did gain sorry for having like oh. the youtube and all of that out 
being able to release your music on there instead of just having a record label. Oh, yeah, yeah. That opened the door for so many musicians to put things into their own hands and to their own perspective. Yeah, it was huge. I mean, we were just kind of, it was sort of just taking off when we were starting it. We got majority of our, pretty much our fans and stuff from that. I think I think a lot of like um, other companies like Entertainment Lawyers and some of the labels, which at the same time is kind of, I don't know, but that's the first thing they would look at is your numbers on social media. So it was like how much Twitter followers you had how much youtube subscribers and they would kind of base they would put you on a certain level where you're at and where they could take you on that but you know with that said i i feel like it helped so many musicians like it put a little bit of power back in their hands to say look i could be successful doing this on my own based on these platforms in my opinion anyways yeah i mean like even for us like just for a podcast like just to get your name out there and we're on every social media platform as well but it takes time to grow that audience yeah. and with our market it's it's over saturated right so i mean there's lots of podcasts out there why do you want to listen to mine right so yeah. you have to come up with content that people are going to actually want to follow want to listen to uh, be a fan of and then grow your audience from there but i mean without the social media stuff where would you be right exactly and i think that's a really good point too it, it became saturated really fast right like now what makes you stand out or makes you a little different but i guess the other side to that is um a lot of the music labels because this opened up so many new doors for musicians they started changing their deals like i remember hearing i think it was a singer from toto he was saying um they've gone like multi-platinum this is before social media stuff like platforms um they've gone multi-platinum and you know like the label was making all the money they were making i think five to ten thousand a year but meanwhile they're doing world tours have gone like platinum three times so it's crazy. So the label was kind of taking advantage of that, right? So they were dumping all the money in, but taking all the royalties, all the masteries, and they were just paying them like the band's whatever, some kind of salary. They could they could do that. They had the power. But then as soon as the platforms came in, they realized, okay, we got to kind of change up our mindset here, uh, the way we approach it. And they started doing a lot of like 360 deals with these musicians. That was some of the deals that were discussed with us as well. But 360 was like, so basically it's full circle. So the label put some money, they support you, but at the same time, they take a percentage from, they basically work with you. So they take a percentage from the merchandise sales, they take a percentage of the royalties, the percentage of the masters, but it's kind of divided a little bit more equally amongst the musicians and the managers and labels, etc. Okay, nice. So you guys did have two songs that you already had mentioned, and we're going to have a listen to Dare to Believe right now. Okay. And do you want to discuss that song first, how yeah. that song came up for so, the album? Uh, yeah, yeah. Interesting enough. So that song technically wasn't even supposed to go on the album. We were like, I don't know if it fits in the album. We're not we're not sure if it should even go. Okay, so funny enough. So that's kind of ties into the charity a little bit that I know you want to discuss. Let me take you back a little bit before I get to the, the Dare to Believe part. So my brothers and I... Okay, we started this band Fairchild, but at the same time, we were affiliated with a charity that we were trying to get off the ground. And the reason we loved it so much was we can get into like the whole mission and, and everything about that charity. But that charity allowed us to, 
we got approved by different school boards, like different ones, York Region, Toronto Catholic, uh, Halton, all of them, and Dufferin Peel. And basically, we were hired to go in and do these shows on anti-bullying or different themes that they had. But we can go in as a band and then we'd put on this like kind of rock show performance, again, mostly covers, but to get like this message across. But the cool thing, the reason we loved that was because during the week, we could still play as brothers, we could still play as musicians. So we're still doing music. And then, you know, come Thursday night to to Saturday, Sunday, we we would have like the bar gigs lined up. So it was like music full time. So we, we loved it. And and uh, the charity allowed us this platform to do that. But at the same time, we were doing so many shows that uh, during the recording of the Fairchild album, uh, I ended up I, like I've been singing for years, but I, I guess I I kind of overstrained myself and I ended up developing these these nodes, these nodules on my larynx. So I was so when it came time to actually start singing, like we were going to sing within the next week or two, I couldn't. I certain parts of my range were gone because of these nodules that I had to yeah. Th- yeah. So I was freaking out. I'm like, what the heck are we going to do? I got to start recording, you know, all the vocals on this track and and we were going to start with Dare to Believe and uh I didn't know what to do. So I ended up seeing this vocal coach uh which was phenomenal. Um, so he gave me a few tips, but he's like, I don't know, like notes don't really go away and, you know, your voice might be affected for the rest of your life, da da da, you could do surgery, but that might mess it up. So I, I was, I, I was like falling into a deep depression. I'm like this, this like singing defines who I am. That's part of who I am. If I don't have singing, who right, am I as a person? Right. right? So I was freaking out. Anyways, so to make a long story short, it was the weirdest thing again. So the charity has to do with my sister that passed away and we can get into that. But the night before I had to go see an ENT, and this was a couple of days before I had to sing Dare to Believe, I had a dream with my sister in it. And she basically kind of took me through from this dark room into this light room. And then she was just smiling and just looking at me and smiling. And it was like this. I woke up and I was like so moved and I was like kind of emotional. I'm like, wow, I don't know what that was all about. So I end up going to the ENT, the ear and throat specialist. And he sticks this like huge camera down my throat and he looks and he's like, that's weird. I, I don't see any nodes. Are you sure? Like, but what the heck? Like he was kind of, he didn't understand it either. He said, that's so weird. Like usually nodes don't go away, but he couldn't find it. He didn't see it. So I was like, okay, is that divine like a miracle? Yeah, divine intervention. And I still had to like work my way up a little bit to kind of get back to where I was, but I ended up making it, ended up singing Dare to Believe. And I was freaking out because I'm like, oh my God, my vocals are back. I'm like, I was so stoked. Yeah. And, and it's just funny because even the message in the song, right, is this dare to believe, dare to believe in yourself, dare to believe in your faith, dare to believe in pretty much, yeah, your dream. And if, and if it's perfectly with the dream that you had. Right. right? I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> just to finish. And then so we had ended up getting during the radio campaign, a radio promoter. But we did, we weren't sure we were thinking, I don't even know what song we were thinking. I think we were thinking The Long Road on the Fairchild album to be our single. And he the first song he chose, we're like, OK, you decide this, like what you think the single should be. And that was the first He's like, dare to believe 100%, dare to believe. And it's just funny because uh, that song was not even supposed to go on the album, but it ended up oh, being but our it's first an excellent single. song. Yeah. Excellent song. <laughs> cool. And then your other one was I'll Take You. You discussed that as well. So we'll have a quick listen to that as well. Why do I bother you're a child of the water now It's getting even harder Yeah, yeah Chill You make my body shiver, damn You're looking better than ever, girl When I come, I deliver Yeah, yeah 
song's just about the whole rock and roll rock star persona. Uh, there was nothing too much. I was, I was actually just in my basement and came up with the first guitar riff and just that line that I'll take you. And it just kind of went from there. I guess you could say it's a very sensual song. But again, it's just about that whole like, I'm just a rock star living the rock star dream. The whole sex, drugs, rock and roll kind of part of it, even though I'm so not like that. But I I figured let's write a song about that. I have read that these songs actually reach top 40 charts in Canada. Is that true? Yeah. So they do on the websites and stuff. They only show top 100. So Dare to Believe made it, I think, to on top 40 CHR, Contemporary Hit Radio. It made it to 110 or 112. And then I'll Take You, I think, was like 120. So it made it on two formats, on Contemporary Hit Radio Top 40 and on Hot AC Charts, uh, which is adult contemporary. Yeah. You know, that's fantastic to have that credited to yourselves. Yeah, it was a nice validation. Like, we'd worked hard for it. It's all we knew how to do pretty much our whole lives was is music, right? It was, it was all about music. It felt like a certain type of accomplishment at that point of our lives. So we've already discussed, I guess, why you kind of dialed back the whole music aspect of your life right now. Having a family, having a job, you know, having to take care of the family. But your brothers have actually continued on. Donnie Smith has continued and your other brothers yeah. continued with City Circuits. Yeah. Yeah, we we do want to have them on the show. So we don't want to play any of their music right now. But we do want to have them on the show. But if you want to talk about the two of them trying to go off on solo careers, you know, the floor is open to you for that. Yeah, they're awesome. And they're super talented. I I love those guys. And I'm so happy that they're continuing and and they're making like great music and they're better musicians than I am. So, I mean, I guess that's the question, right? I mean, especially as an artist, I guess for all artists, it's like, it's that defining question, like when's enough enough? When do you throw in the towel or do you throw in the towel? Is it about throwing in the towel? Like, it's weird because music is, it's not something I do. It's not a job. It's who I am. It's in me. I have to express it. So I guess in one way, I'm never really stopping the whole music part of me, that musicianship, but I guess to go like try to make a career out of it. Yeah. I'm not necessarily doing that, but that's cool. I mean, Donnie still has the fire in him to do that. Dave, he was the bass player. Now he's the lead singer and guitar player for uh, city circuits with actually one of my other brothers. Yeah. They're just, they're doing pretty good. I mean, they're, they're creating a little bit of a buzz and yeah, they're releasing another single come July. Donnie just released his EP album. And yeah, they're just doing what they can. And they can at this point, which is awesome. So uh, all the best to them. I wish them all the best. Yeah, it's awesome. It would be great to have them on the show, come discuss some of their stuff, get some samples of their music to play on the show as well. Try and get them out there as well for our podcast, at least. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they have their own, I guess, advertising platforms, but, you know, it's always good to have guests on the show, hear behind the scenes stories kind of growing up and how their music came to be and the inspirations and stuff like that. So it's good to listen to that kind of stuff. So your family actually decided to do another cover song, which I absolutely loved. It's I think it's newer now that you just released it. It was called Brother by Need to Breathe, right? Yes. You guys released that as a kind of a tribute to frontline workers, I guess, for COVID-19. And you also enter that into Canadian Families Got Talent. Yes. We'll have a quick listen to that as well. Ramblers in the wilderness and we can't find what we need. We get a little restless from the searching, get a little worn down in between. 
Like a bull chasing the matador Is a man after his own schemes Everybody needs someone beside him Shining like a lighthouse from the sea Brother, let me be your shelter Never leave you all alone I can be the one you call When you're low How did that all come to be for the frontline workers? We did this Christmas cover back in December and then, oh yeah, it was Feed the World. Um, that's it. Because we got such a huge response. Like we didn't think we'd get that much of a response just singing as a family. And again, I don't know, we, I feel this calling to serve where I can and help where I can using the God-given talents that I got. I want to give back in some way. That's always been a part of my life and my mission work. And yeah, we just thought it was a great idea. Like we want to do something to give back. And my brother, Joe, he's the one to put the video together he's a videographer he kind of said okay like we can do this and he found the canadian i didn't even know about the canadian family's got talent thing that was kind of secondary to the purpose of this yeah. but yeah i kind of brought up the idea and then um my brother joe was the one that found he was thinking you know i actually heard this song i think it would be great and then he kind of came he went to everybody's you know house and room and filmed it and put it all together so that was really all on him like kudos to him for putting that all together and such and we had to get it because canadians got talent it was like it had to be in within like two days that we had started so he was up for like i don't know 24 hours just putting this oh, whole wow. thing together but yeah it was just a nice way to give back and again like i love singing with my siblings and the whole sibling harmony thing so yeah it was just it was just awesome well with this whole quarantine thing you guys would have had to film separately right yeah how hard was that to do because i was watching the video and i always think about this when i'm looking at videos that have people that are not together in the same room how do you do that where you know you get your sound to sound together like uh, yeah. that you're doing the song so because it wasn't live we had pre-recorded our parts but the, the, i took care of that of the tracks and editing it and and uh, breaking up the parts. That was a little intense. That was tricky. I'm not going to lie. Especially when like, okay, you take this line and then, you know, I, I always like making sure they give me like, you know, at least three or four good tracks so I can pick even like different syllables, you know, different words. If they sang it better during this take than this take. So that was a little tricky. And then the video part was pretty much like, for example, I just put it through my speakers and then was singing it. And then he kind of just put it all together. If it was live, I couldn't even imagine <laughs> how tricky that would yeah, be. Yeah, like this has got to be very difficult to get done when you're yeah. in separate places, right? Especially because all of us have such different personalities and work ethics. So to, to motivate certain fam family, I won't say who, but to motivate certain yeah. family members to get on board and like, okay, come on, we got to get this done. It's got to be in in like two days. Yeah. Fantastic job on the video, thanks, on thanks, the music. Thanks. I mean, it was, it's a great tribute. Uh, I actually looked up the song online with Gavin DeGraw, right? He's yes, featured yeah. in that song as well. And I'm going to go back to this again. And I'm going to say, I actually like your version better. <laughs> cool. You know, it's, uh, you guys do a really, really, really good job on it. So well, thank you. Uh, great job with doing that. Now, in the intro, we mentioned that you're a child and youth care worker and yep. you work with special needs kids. And, and I'm an EA myself. I work in the school boards as well. I work with special needs kids. So I really know what you go through on a daily basis working in the school. What got you into working with special needs kids? 
so yeah, which is so cool. I love that connection that we have, like especially yeah. when we were talking earlier, and that really we just kind of made that connection. We're like, what? That's amazing. It's meant to be yeah. that we were, you know, talking have this interview. But um, uh, yeah. So what got me into working with special needs was actually okay, was music pretty much. So uh, I was kind of in between jobs at the time. I was I was young. I was like just turned twenty. And somebody had connected through a friend. They said they were looking for like a musical director for this day program. That's how I originally got started. And it was a day program for special needs. So I went in, I applied, I got hired. And then I actually met my wife through that program. She was the program coordinator there. And so for a while, it was funny because I said she was, she became like my supervisor, like my boss at work and then my boss at home for a while. And the boss at home, that's right. And the boss at home after we got. uh, That's pretty much how it works. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. But I fell in love with Working with special needs, I know that in some aspect, I always want to work with special needs. It's become literally like my mission work in life. So that's how I got started. And it got to a point in that program where it was good, but my wife and I felt like we can, I don't know, it could be better. We can run things like I would want to run things a certain way and run things differently. And my mom at the time was looking for, I don't know, she was trying to, she had a calling to, to do something with special needs. And again, this goes back into a little bit of a backstory with my sister, Sarah. She was born with a chromosomal disorder called trisomy 13. She basically would have grown up being like a high needs, uh, special needs. So she ended up living for 26 days and she ended up passing away. But my mom just had this calling to do something. And uh, she had been in the administrative field, the corporate field when she was working. So we decided to get together, leave where we were currently working and start this charity. It was called Blue Veil is the name of the charity. And then under that charity is run different programs. And the main program is Sarah Elizabeth Center. And that's after my sister. And it was a we want to start this day program for special needs. So we got, you know, we got the charity number. We did, we went through all the channels to get all that up and running. And, uh, and then we actually ended up getting government funding for like four years, which was awesome. So we had this government funding and then we said, okay, so how do we create awareness for this day program? So that's how the whole music aspect came into it. So my brothers and I, we knew we wanted to do music. We knew we wanted to play together. So we ended up, you know, pitching this idea to the different school boards. We got approved and, and we were like the new thing and the new fad. So like we had pretty much two schools a day for like the first five years. And sometimes it was like three schools a day if we can fit it in where we're doing these shows, right? So we you know, pile all our equipment into the van, go do these these shows for anti-bullying. And at the same time, we were creating awareness for Sarah Elizabeth Center. So like the first, yeah, I'd say five years was awesome because we had, you know, a lot of government funding. We were like uh, super busy with the schools. And we thought by, you know, within five years, we'd build up the clientele. So it is the day programs up and running and it's growing and it's awesome. I think they're up to like, uh, you know, 20, um, 20 kids a day or 20 clients a day. It's really good. My life kind of took a different turn at, at a certain point, the funding and ending. And, and that's the hard part with the nonprofit is you got to constantly chase funding. And I thought, you know, we thought we'd have right. more clientele at a certain point. And I was kind of at a crossroads because then I had an opportunity to apply for Dufferin Peel School Board. So I took it just because at that time it was, it was the right choice. But I'm still involved with the charity. I still help out where I can. We still do the fundraisers every year. But yeah, then I ended up going to work with the board as uh, educational resource workers, ERWs. And, and then I had my CYW. Yeah. 
background. So, and you guys run, like you said, the fundraisers where you do, I guess, kind of like a gala with a dinner and bands that play there, like your, your band would play there as well. Yeah. And you just had one this past December, I believe. Uh, February. And February, I, yeah. February. Yeah. And yeah. I was actually supposed to be there with my wife and then something actually happened where we couldn't make it that night. But I mean, I would love to come to one of them when you have another one. Yeah, for uh, sure. Or but, if, um, even if you got free time. Well, I mean, I guess when everything kind of, I don't know how it's even going to look when everything reopens, but yeah, even when it reopens, I mean, you're more than welcome to come by to the center and, and check it out, hang out. Cool. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. For sure. Yeah. So you do basically do run art-based programs there. What are these included with? Like, what, are you looking more doing um, like life skills to help with transitions out of school or are you doing music kind of programs? So or? The, yeah. So the whole basis of the program, it's, it's really an arts-based program. So I found like post-21, so after high school, one, there wasn't a lot of options. But at the same time, because I did the music program at the other day program where I was originally hired, I just found like the specialties, they just shine. They seem to shine in the arts. Like that's where they come out and I feel like they're the happiest. That Like I know school has its purpose too, like where we're at. Sometimes I feel like, I don't know, maybe it might focus a little too much on, I guess it depends on the teacher too, but a lot of like on the academic part. And I'm all for the life skills part too. Like I think that's awesome. So, but our program, they kind of focus more on the arts. So it's, we have like drama, dance, music, and then we do have some life skills, but I wouldn't say that's the huge main focus. That's a component of it, like the culinary and different certain life skills that they might do uh, within the community that they try to do. But the main focus is arts-based program. And then we'll try to do like, they'll do like, let's say drama, and then they'll showcase that where they can. They might put on like a drama show, or uh, we have like one girl who's phenomenal at painting. Like she blows my mind. You should see the painting she has. And then they auction them off at uh, during the fundraiser. It's amazing. Um, so yeah. I'm kind of on the same side as you as I think the arts are more important with the special needs kids yeah. um, more than the academics. And again, it all depends on each individual student. Yeah. But I find even with my students that I work with, we play music for them all the time and they're super excited. I mean, we give them a microphone and they start singing. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we do different things with them in that way, whereas the academics is not the super important thing in that life. I so I feel that the music really is a huge huge part of their life for yeah. special needs kids and it's it's fantastic to see them thrive with that kind of art-based program that you guys are running yeah and especially i feel like arts for music for me i mean it's just it's the universal language i mean everyone understands yeah. music at the same time like i love my job i love working with special needs i call it my paycheck with a purpose yeah, i feel that's like a good one yeah yeah like i just feel like for me, I'm always asking myself, like, where am I being called to serve? Where is God calling me to serve? And I love working, especially I love my job because it keeps me grounded. It keeps me humble and I get to serve them, which is just, I don't know. That's awesome. I just, I love and, that. And aspect. that's the way to look at it, right? Like when I started, I never, I never thought about working with special needs kids. It never had crossed my mind before. And a buddy of mine had said, you know, I was at a different road a different path with my career as well. And he's like, why don't you get into, you know, being an EA? And I yeah. said, oh, you know what? I'll look into it. And I started and you know what? I wouldn't change a thing. Like yeah. I love doing my job every day. I love working with these kids. You pick up so many skills, but you learn a lot of lessons from them. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, For, yeah, like that. Oh, yeah. being humble. And like you said, you know, it's rewarding, but you're so yeah. happy doing it, you know. And like you said, it's a, it, like, is this my calling from God to actually work with these kids and, and these families and try and help them out? I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. 
Amen, man. Same, <laughs> same yeah. here. Yeah. You actually mentioned you just kind of <clears throat> touch base on the the grants and stuff. How hard is it to get a grant? And you also rely on donations from other people as well, just the general public. But is it very, very difficult to get a grant right now to run the charity, or do you rely more on the donations? So the fundraiser is a huge. Like we have to have the fundraiser every year. That's a huge bulk of the funding. I don't deal too much with chasing after grants and all the funding. Uh, actually, my mom does a lot of that. Uh, she's the executive director and that's kind of her forte. That's her skill set. But yeah, I mean, looking at her, she's constantly, constantly chasing people for applying for grants or seeing what the next grant is or, you know, kind of networking with the politicians and in that area. So she, and she's good at what she does. She's good. She's good. But yeah, it's a constant, you know, uphill battle to get funding, especially because it's nonprofit. And then you feel bad for the families too, because I mean, they get subsidized, they get some subsidy, they get some government funding, but it's not much. And then, you know, we have certain expenses too within the charity so you're trying to work with the families and and them too and and sometimes it's a struggle for some of the families too some of the participants so like thank god for the fundraiser that we had thank god we had it in february kind of holding everything over a little bit for during this quarantine and and everything oh yes um so yeah (laughs) so yeah yeah now how are people able to make donations to the charity i guess the simplest way is you can find all the info on the website you can either just google sarah elizabeth center or bluevale.org and it's all there so and you can just find the link to donate awesome so we're going to actually post all of that information we're going to post your links we're going to post we actually already have your brother's stuff up on our website as well so they're going to have all that stuff but i would love to have your brothers on at some point whenever they feel comfortable coming on we can do a show with them as well you're welcome to join them as well we can talk more fair child brothers as well and uh we'll kind of wrap that up with the interview for this if there's anything else you want to say feel free go ahead you know what i was thinking i don't know if this would work but let's see is it cool if i kind of end off with a song here of course Uh, yes absolutely all right cool so i give away my age here but i just turned 40 this past month and it kind of calls you to i know i know it's a bad age i mean uh, you know i'm gonna be 41 (laughs) in a couple months so we went through that last year yeah yeah <laughs> so it, it kind of forces you to reflect and look back. I really like if I could walk away, you know, at the end of my life with very few regrets about that I'm happy. But and I don't like I love everything that happened and I believe God had a plan and everything kind of played out the way Absolutely, it had to. Yeah. But you know, as a musician, I'm still writing. I work with a good friend of mine, Jeff Edian from Studio A, and you know, we've tried to record a bunch of stuff and build up our catalog and publish music where we can. So I'm still kind of I'm not actively gigging, but I'm still trying to, you know, write and record. I'm always doing something. Of course. So this song was kind of, it was kind of what I was talking about earlier about, you know, when is enough enough? When do you throw in the towel? When do you not? It's that struggle of a musician. It's that struggle of growing up and getting older and maybe feeling like, you know, the industry thinks you have nothing to offer, but you still have a lot to say. And it's all about, you know, again, do it while you can, rise up while you can. And then at the same time, don't stop fighting for what you believe in, fighting for your dreams. So this song is called Rise Up. And if you just give me a second, I will grab my guitar. Add a little bit of reverb. All right. Let's see here. Okay. And I haven't really warmed up. (laughs) All right. No worries. I wasn't expecting this. This is fantastic. Okay, cool, cool. Can you hear my guitar? Are we good? I can hear it, yeah. Okay. So this song is called Rise Up. Desperate for the need to rise 
Fighting demons with my worn out pride Old wooden steel is how I testify In the dying of the light My faded shadow tries to claim the stage Torn leather boots walk this modern age My weathered lips still have a lot to say In the dying of the light I'm just a falling star I'm just a restless wind I'm just a broken rope Don't know where I am Or where you begin Oh, so rise up, rise out, rise through If you still can There's no encore for this empty room Tired of listening to broken speech This picture's lonely hope seems out of reach In the dying of the light I'm still waiting on a prayer But my knees ain't on the ground The engine's running and I'm heading out Cause chances don't wait around I'm just a falling star I'm just a restless wind I'm just a broken road Don't know where I am Where you begin I'm just a rolling stone Just a washed out dream Oh, but I keep taking All these punches Till ten's counting for me Oh, so rise out Rise through while you still can and I'm leaving all these pieces of this broken life Stepping out, shifting gears in the midnight skies Chasing down highway lights Springsteen on the radio But this ain't no thunder road More like a wild unknown Wild unknown And I ain't ready to sing about no glory days Wasted time, heavy hours, wasted days No, this is for all the broken hearts Pushing around this suffering cause Take my hand, we can rise, rise above Put that on a CD and sell it. I'm buying it. Awesome, awesome, yeah, yeah. I think uh, see that's that's my genre of music. You know, that's my genre of music that I listen to. So I'm actually gonna cut that video out of that live performance if you don't mind. Yeah, and I'm gonna post that too on our our website, and I'll send it to you so that you can post it if you want. Sweet, yeah, man, that's awesome. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, Yeah. that was awesome. That was a that was a nice surprise to kind of end off the podcast. That was great. We want to say thank you to you for actually coming on the show. You're actually only our second guest so far. Got some other guests lined up, but like I said, we do want to get your brother on we thank you for coming on the show that's pretty much going to wrap up this episode so again don't give me any surprises here but if there's anything else that you want to say uh before leaving the podcast 
floor is open to you. Yeah, no, I just want to thank you like so much for having me as a guest. I mean, you're awesome, man. I mean, thank you. I had a, I had a blast doing this and uh, I wish you guys all the best of luck as well. And I'm honored to be the second guest. So yeah, thank you so much, man. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. So we're going to end that episode right here. And as always, stay safe, be kind to each other, and we'll see you later. Here we go!